wish we could just get out of here. Hey, Darnell, I didn't know you had an account here. We're gonna have to let you go. The fact that you knew the perpetrator doesn't sit well with us. Do you know Lorenz and him got away with 20 grand? That's what we need to do. Rob a bank. That's stupid. Ain't nobody over here gonna be robbing no bank. We gonna end up dead anyways. Maybe that's the way to go. Firing off a knob. We just taken away from the system that's doing us all anyway. Well, what if something goes wrong? What if somebody gets hurt? Let's do it. All right, check it out. Y'all can roll with that right there. Well, we ain't robbing stage coaches. I need something I can set it off with. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome back to the B-Movie Podcast. I'm your host, Adam Kautzer, and today we are on the back half of our double feature titled Badass Women in Crime. Uh, And today we're looking at 1996's Set It Off, uh, directed by F. Gary Gray, starring a quadrilogy of amazing actresses in Jada Pinkett Smith when she was just Jada Pinkett, uh, Queen Latifah. Vivica A. Fox and Kimberly Elise, all who have gone on to huge success uh, in Hollywood. Uh, but this is kind of where this is kind of ground zero for them in, in a lot of ways. I mean, uh, Jada Pinkett was already successful with um, The Nutty Professor and Queen Latifah had already become like, uh, you know, she was she was a huge hip hop star, a uh, huge rap star, and uh, she was becoming more and more popular on the Fox series Living Single. And, uh, well, Vivica A. Fox had just starred in Independence Day, and they had just found Kimberly Elise. So this was like a cast that was just brimming to explode onto the scene, no pun intended. Uh, so why don't we just kind of get into it? Now, the reason why I... I I paired these two films together, something that we've not like, you know, we like I don't really talk about the thematics of of why cohesively I I choose these films. But I think that that's going to change. I'm going to start start talking about them on the second half of the double features. Um, It's just a change that I've I've started to I'm going to start implementing. Um, Part of the reason why is because both Domino and Set It Off have a very strong uh, sense of social awareness. and they are at their core um, socially relevant dramas that I feel are masked very, very, very well behind um, action uh, action set pieces and like an action film's framework. And I find a lot of what a lot of what happens in Domino is kind of, analogous to set it off in the way that these women are forced into situations that aren't necessarily the things and the choices that they would want to make ever but you know they are forced into these situations because of their circumstance because of the fact that they're female and in the case of set it off it's 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 even worse because they're 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 black and they're they're never given a choice they're never given the fair shake and it's part of what makes personally for me it's what makes the film so powerful is that 
it's not just an like a fly by numbers action film. Like what I what I love about this is this isn't heat where these are like criminals that are doing things for the sake of crime because it's a sick because crime is a cyclical a cyclical thing. Like, you know, once you're in it, you're in it for life and that's the way it goes. Like within Set It Off, there are very specific reasons why each one of these women goes to the extreme that they go to. And uh, what I like about that aspect of it is, is that F. Gary Gray and um, his screenwriters never, never let, um, never let that out of sight, never let that fall from, from the film. It, it, it never, it never veers too far away from being a drama as much as it is an action film. Now, part of that Part of that is because of the fact that this is a very low budget film. It doesn't look like it. Um, these, uh, like, from about ninety, from about ninety four to about two thousand, is my favorite time period for New Line Cinema because they were the they. It wasn't that they were the edgy studio. They just they were young and hungry and they knew how to make low budget films. Uh, like this movie was made for less than $10 million. Now keep that in mind when you watch this fucking movie, because it doesn't feel like a $10 million film. It feels like a 30 to $45 million film. Um, another film that I feel like is kind of a reference point for this film. I think that, uh, he would probably never admit it, but I feel like Ben Affleck took a lot of reference point from this movie, uh, from F. Gary Gray's, you know, set it off uh, for the town. It really, really feels like it. I mean, you you watch it, the amorphous structure of it, um, how much drama there is as opposed to action. And uh, it's 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 very interesting to me that, you know, literally 15 years later, Ben Affleck is being lauded for something that F Gary Gray and the and and this this great cast just got shrugged off on. Uh and by the way, go like there you're probably going to see a running theme here. Yeah. Go ahead and fucking check out those those reviews of Set It Off and see how fucking just how shitty reviewers were to this film. A film that is it's not just a great action film. It, it's a powerful drama. Um, and I just like, I look at it and I just kind of get upset. Uh, but this is why we're here. This is why the B movie podcast is here is to talk about these movies and give them their, their just due. And I think that set it off as one of those films that like I, we watching it after not seeing it for about five or six years, I was struck at how much this film has been referenced by, by other similarly themed uh, films. But could never be executed in the way that this film is. I mean, this this film is young, hungry, and angry uh, about a lot of things. And I feel like even in, uh, even twenty years on, like it's twenty two years old, uh, but this film still feels extremely relevant and extremely fresh. I think that that anybody could watch this and feel just the impact of this movie. Um, 
as I did when I saw it back in 96. Um, I still, like, I saw this in the theater. This, this movie fucking was great in the theater. I saw it, like, opening night, packed house, um, uh, and it just played like gangbusters. I mean, you know, like, like after I left, I was like, this fucking movie's gonna make a hundred million dollars. And I mean, it made a respectable amount, but, and, and it gave everybody the boost that they needed in their career, but it wasn't, um, it wasn't the huge, huge success that you would expect after seeing this movie. It, it should have been. Um, and it, I, I also feel like this is kind of in a way, a dry run for, what F. Gary Gray would do later on with Straight Out of Compton. I mean, literally, what, um, uh, literally like 20, almost 20 years, like 19 years later, the man would come back and do something very similar with Straight Out of Compton, where he's making a socially relevant drama. Um, he's, he's also like, you know, dabbling into different genres, but doing so always at the core of making a, uh, making a dramatic story about friends um, more palpable for an entire audience, and I uh, like, and that's something that I find that that he does very well is he takes he takes these these in these 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 stories that are inherently drama and uh, like that are inherent dramas, but manages to take them and wrap them into genre so well and so effectively. Um, but let's get kind of into the story and what, and what this, this film is about. If you've never seen it before, um, it's about these four, uh, these four African-American women or, uh, four black women, um, played by, as I was saying, um, Jada, Jada Pinkett Smith, Queen Latifah, uh, Vivica, Fo- uh, Vivica A. Fox and Kimberly Elise. Now, each one of them, respectively have their own I wouldn't say issues but struggles like they definitely have struggles like what I love about this film is uh one of the the aspects I love about this film is the first 20 to 30 minutes play out like a drama and play out uh over an extended period of time and er it earns those moments of action because it sets up all of the drama everything that everybody is going through um you um you begin like the movie begins with this really um this really unexpected scene of a bank robbery that just happens in front of Frankie who's played by Vivica Fox and how she uh, like you know she sees uh she sees somebody that she knows from her her neighborhood and it turns into this full on bloody massacre of a of a bank job uh or a, a bank robbery that ends with Vivica Fox uh, with Frankie losing her job, literally losing her job because the bank feels like they are they find it unacceptable that she knew this guy. And they 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 basically accuse her of being in um, being on in on the job. And of course, this is the moment where we meet the police officers that are going to be um, a part of uh, that are going to be a part of her like you know of this of this story um with uh john c ginley as uh, detective strode and then ella joyce as uh, detective waller they're these uh they are the the dogged pursuers of these women once they 
um, once they begin to start robbing banks and you're like after the after the bank robbery, you're introduced to uh, Stoney, who's played by Jada, uh, Jada Pinkett Smith, uh, Cleo, uh, played by Clean Latifah and TT, played by Kimberly Elise. And they're each respectively have their own issues. Um, Stoney is trying to pay for her. Um, recently graduated brother um, who's supposed to go to UCLA. Uh, Queen Latifah is dealing with being a strong, proud lesbian in in the black community at a time when LBGTQ was just not a thing. And uh, like, you know, she she's got the trifecta just against her. She's uh, she's a person of color. She's a lesbian and she's a black woman. I mean, like, and like she out of everybody, like she's the one that you go, like if you, when you watch this now you go, fuck, this is, this is like fucking powerful acting. Like how she didn't, how she didn't rise up instantly after this film, like, and how it took her literally another 10 years before she became Queen Latifah that we knew is just shocking to me. And and it just goes to show, it's not even really that shocking to me. It's more like, it's the eye roll of fuck. I mean, like, like, I still remember, like, you know, that this is the movie that made me a fan um, and like made my sister a fan of Queen Latifah. Like, we... We started watching like 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 me and the family when we had seen this film after we started watching Living Single because of her, because of the fact that we like she was so good in this movie. Um, I mean, she gives like this De Niro-esque performance as this like, you know, a wild card who's who's finally found her purpose once the bank robberies began. Um, and, and it's it's a great role for her. You can tell that. I don't even I don't even know if she's ever been given something like this again, um, like to this level, like like to where I feel like she's truly enjoying herself. I mean, maybe a beauty shop where she just got like, you know, it was like uh, where she was kind of like she was asked to be what she what she can be, which is all charm and all charisma. Um, but here she's fucking great. Um, and then you also have, uh, TT who is the innocent of the group played by Kimberly Elise in this really heartbreaking performance. Uh, a woman who's just pushed around and bullied by men. And she's a single mother just trying to do right by, by her son and try to give her son, um, a good life. And, like the the incidents that occur that that make that that bring the plot into action because I feel like so many people have not seen this film I don't want to really get into because it takes away from like if I talk about that it's going to take away from the power of what happens but I can tell you I can tell you this much it some people will find it overheated um a little melodramatic but uh, rewatching it, it, it reaffirmed to me what I always honestly felt about this movie is that it's a gut punch when, when around the 20 minute mark, things start to go very wrong and there is a successive, like there's a successive set of actions that occur. It is a continual gut punch, especially because of how much you've come to care and, and really like these women. 
like uh like especially stony who is the who is the focus here i mean you know jada pinkett smith is the lead in the film i mean of course like i said like queen latifah has her are like you know is probably the closest that we get to like somebody who almost steals the entire show from her uh from uh jada pinkett smith um but she has her like you know she has like her main her issues and her like the things that happened to her over the course of like about 10 minutes of film um is like this really harrowing experience that you're just you're shocked by and it and you just have nothing but sympathy for or empathy for this woman and you're you're willing to go on this journey with her and with her friends um it's it's quite powerful like what sets this up and i think that some people will think of it as melodramatic but you know those fucking people you know what i gotta say fuck you like seriously fuck you like i i don't have time for it like i i've gotten to the point now where when i see reviews that misjudge or miscalculate a film i just don't have time for it um i'm here to like you know i'm here to tell you that like just when you when you look at that stuff just ignore it because there's something really powerful going on in this film once they do set everything up and everything is in motion and they begin to rob banks it is it it moves like a fucking freight train um one of my favorite things about this film is that um they get a huge assist from Dr. Dre. Um, he, he's actually, he actually has a supporting role as, um, as a character named black Sam and he's a gun runner. And what I love about his character is that he, he's not the cliche of a guy that's trying to rip them off or going to pull a fast one on them. He's friends. Uh, he's friends with Cleo, um, because Cleo runs, you know, runs stuff for her, for him, like, you know, steals cars, you know, does little side things. Um, and she's the best at stealing cars for him. And so when she tells him the, the kind of, the kind of plan that they're going for, not really exactly what they're doing. Um, he's like a gun runner. So he hooks them up with hardware and he doesn't fuck them over. Like he doesn't do anything like that, which I find is a totally refreshing thing. Even, even back in 96, that was a fucking cliche. Um, and I find that super refreshing. Even now I found it super refreshing. And I, I, I smiled because I mean, you know, Dre comes in and I mean, he does his thing. He's the most relaxed I've seen him. I, I forgot how relaxed he was on screen in this film. Uh, it, it's even better than his work in Training Day or any of the other films that he's been in. I've not really given the the, the writers their due credit. Uh, Katie Lanier and uh, Takashi Buford uh, do an amazing job with this script that balances that that manages to equally balance the the drama that goes on and the action that uh, that's being executed. And it's just a really great uh, combination of, of work here. Uh, I'm really like after doing some research and finding out about some of the stuff that they had in the script originally, like Stoney was, was a crackhead. I mean, and taking that kind of shit out really strengthens the film. Like basically it, 
uh, like from all of the research I found, like with the development of the film was that they just basically got rid of a lot of the cliches that were within the film and just wanted to make a good like just changed it from this. Like, you know, I guess you could say it's like almost like a black exploitation film to something like uh, some something a little bit more refined um like trouble man or shaft uh, where they managed to put into the into the films this equal weight of social relevance and just really great action or genre uh, genre substance and here it's it's the same uh, the film like runs about I think it's a little over two hours uh, but it really really doesn't feel like it it like I said it moves like a freight train because you're so invested in these characters and what happens to them um, and you know you you end up not wanting anything bad to happen to them but invariably invariably it bad things do happen to them and you you're gripped the entire time watching this film because you know that it's not it's probably not going to end well for any of them and how it plays out is both there is an inevitability to the way that the film ends but also there is an unexpectedness to the way that the film ends also. So it's almost like having your cake and eating it too, because in a lot of ways there's, there are moments that humanize people in a way that you wouldn't expect. And, you know, there are certain things that, that they do with the story that, I feel adds layers to characters and it's not so clear cut uh, like good guys versus bad guys or crime, uh, crime for doing crime's sake. And like, you know, the typically cliches of the, of the genre are not inherent within set it off. It's, it's a very unusual film because it's dealing so heavily with a woman's place and, and uh, like a woman's place in, in society and like how hard it is to etch out a life. I mean, the a big component of this film is these four women eventually end up like working overnight uh, at, at a janitorial service ran by the one of the worst human beings in the fucking world. And they're treated like shit. And they are literally janitors um, because like, you know, uh, Frankie, who's played by Vivica Fox, is it goes from working at a bank for two years and all of this hard work is just pushed down the drain and she literally uh, has to work like she doesn't want to, but she has to work for this this piece of shit janitorial service because it's the work that she can get. And it and it's interesting because it plays with that and it makes it a story point and it turns it and it makes it and evolves it and uh, it allows them to be like, you know, allows the the story to show that these women are a lot smarter than than your typical criminals, which I know sounds like a cliche. But like even now, it's it's really interesting how we dumb like, you know, how Hollywood dumbs down women and their roles and their participation in anything. And this movie is 
about these four women. Like, any of the men that are in this movie are plot machinations. They are things to move the plot forward. Um, like, uh, like John C. Uh, McGinley is this cop, and yes, they do give him um, more dimensions than a normal cop, but he's still a cop, and, and his purpose is plot-driven. Now, F. Gary Gray manages to, uh, like, allow him to be the the supreme character actor that he is and give a really truly great and special performance at its end but it's just a supporting performance it doesn't overtake the film it doesn't become like you know heat where it's two sides of a coin you're only given just enough information to about um about the cops and what they're doing to make it more informed of the tension that you're feeling because these women eventually are going to get caught or you think that they might get caught. And it's very rare that we see a film. Like, I mean, even nowadays, I mean, can you name me a movie where four, uh, four black women are the leads in an action film that's released by a major studio? You can't. Like, like Black Panther is the closest that you can come to it. Proud Mary is another one that comes close to it. But Proud Mary is just got one one uh, one black lead in uh, Taraji B. Henson. I mean, Black Panther has supporting roles for uh, Letitia Wright, um, Angela Bassett, uh, Nupita Nyong'o. Uh, and the rest of the cast, but they're supporting roles. They're not the leads. It's not, you know, uh, it's not Ch uh, T'Challa, uh, Queen of Wakanda. It's King of Wakanda. So uh, this is something that I feel like we really should be praising and we really should be looking at it a little bit more and going, why the fuck aren't we doing these kinds of movies? Or like, I mean, if anything... Girl Trip proves that when you put four black actresses in lead roles and you give them a really good film around them, then it's going to make a, a ton of money. I mean, these kinds of things are not rocket science. We're like I like, you know, part of the reason why I'm I'm doing this series is because I know that there's genre films out there that are inclusive, that you can like, you know, that that point in fact something like set it off is one of the the shining to me is one of the shining examples of uh, of bank heist films and when you take that into consideration and you take the fact that hardly everybody anybody talks about it in the conversation of great films of, of that genre i mean fuck like what the fuck is going on i i don't know i hope that you guys watch this because it is a badass piece of cinema. I mean, it truly lives up to the title of badass women in crime because they do. They fucking they kick so much fucking ass in this movie. And the action scenes are like when you watch this film, you understand where F. Gary Gray went to and how he evolved as a filmmaker. Like part of me, part of me, like like with Fate of the Furious, I I loved, uh, like, I loved the ridiculousness of it, but there was a part of me that really would had hoped that he would, uh, he would be allowed to kind of streamline it and bring it 
to down and dirty to the way that like this film is like, you know, like very street level, uh, like action scenes where you can feel the tactile nature of everything. Like they have some really great, amazing car chases in this film that when you watch it, I mean, they, they beat the shit out of the stuff in the fast and the furious movies. Why? Because n- none of it is CG. I mean, at 90 in, in 96, I mean, we're talking about, like the dawn of the CGI age. So there is limited, limited stuff. I mean, we're talking three years out from Jurassic Park. I mean, really think about that. And but what you get out of this is when the cars when when the cars are going as fast as they are, they really are going that fast. When they're crashing into things, they're really crashing into things. It gives a sense of danger. I mean like I said, I fucking love this movie. I'm not going to make any qualms about it. Uh, it is a really great film. And I mean, we talked a little bit about, we talked a lot about Queen Latifah, but the center of this film, the heart and soul is uh, Jada Pinkett Smith, who, you know, I really like, there's a part of me that like really wishes that she had, she had had a different career that she wasn't, uh, Mrs. Will Smith because like I like my first my first uh, my first like viewing of her like you know seeing her in a performance is was um, Menace to Society like that movie still I mean it just celebrated its 25th anniversary and we may actually be talking about that in our next series um, called America simply uh, like or simply titled This is America um, because I feel like it is, is extremely relevant and it's extremely, it's an extremely powerful film. I saw it at a very young age. Um, I mean, I saw it when it was released. Uh, so, but I still am like, I remember like she is, she is a, she's just a force of nature in that film. And for the first part of her career, that's what she was. She was this, she, she was like this contained explosion Uh, like of emotions of of just power like she was I mean she's very petite but like her her persona her her gravitas is just nuclear I mean I can understand why you know Will Smith would end up being attracted to her I mean it's very simple it's it's the she's she's a woman I mean she's a fully formed woman even in Menace to Society and I don't really want to talk about too much about it because I'm, I would be ruining a, a great conversation to have about her character. But I mean, even in here, like it's you can see her like she just carries the film. Um, there is an uh, like to me, it's really interesting because like there's this really unnecessary love scene. Um, but it's a love scene in a way that I feel like the power dynamic is always in her favor. Like Blair Underwood, the the very great Blair Underwood is in this film and he plays her love interest. And he really does like very similarly to um, the quick and the dead. He is very much the female role in this movie. I mean, he's essentially, so if you were to think about this, like in terms of the town, he is the Rebecca Miller um, role in uh, in set uh, in the town. I mean, that's 
how much he means to the story. Like he is a love interest and there's some very there there's some moments but I mean, ultimately, it's it's just Blair Underwood under like, you know, at full charm. And at a certain point, he's taken off his shirt so all the ladies can, you know, enjoy that. But essentially, I mean, like I said, he's he's not he's not a vital component of the film, um, but it helps inform us of the kind of character Stoney is um, played by Jada Pinkett Smith. And it's just it, she's fucking phenomenal in this film. Uh, you really like. I don't think that I don't think that we appreciate anymore what it is to be a star and to carry a film and truly carry a film. Like I think that we've gotten to a point now in 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 Hollywood where I think we we're losing our stars. Not not necessarily we're losing our stars, but like things are changing and evolving where you know the last of the great stars are going away. Like there's not there's no there's like Tom Cruise is one of the last great ones. Tom, Tom Hanks, they're all approaching or in their 60s. Harrison Ford. Um I mean like, you know, Julia Roberts is of a certain age as is uh, as is um Sandra Bullock. I mean, these are our last shining shining stars. Um and they're going away, but what I can well, the reason why I mention this is because Jada Pinkett Smith has that. She has that star quality. I mean, that's why she was so ingrained in that time frame of like from the moment she hit the screen in 93 to like like I mean well into the 2000s and even now she's having like a reoccurrence I mean she was on TV um in the in um Hawthorne the the show about the ER nurse which she's great in I mean I'm a big fan of her work I really do love me some Jada Pinkett Smith uh, she's just this great I I don't know there's just something about like what she sends out there that I really enjoy um, watching, uh, watching on film. And I mean, like Girls Trip has kind of re reassessed that and allowed her some more, some more time in the spotlight, which I really kind of love. And I'm, I'm really glad that she's going to be back on screen. I, I hope that she's going to be back on screen more continually or just as like, let's just say just as much as her husband, because I'm, I mean, when it comes to them too. I mean, I'm much as much as I love Will Smith. I, I, I have you know what can I say? I have nothing but love for Jada Pinkett Smith. Uh, she's one of those actresses that she's great. She's just great in what she does. And like I said, I, here is a prime example of what she can do. Um, Vivica Fox. I mean, she's she's a wild card in this movie, and and she. I feel like she's she also has it's like of all of these actresses I'm not sure if she ever really got her fair shake in 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 anything like I don't like I mean she was in one of the biggest movies of all uh, at that time in 96 it was in the biggest movie of the of that year and of a very long time in Independence Day um and then she was she was you know she she had her time but then it just kind of like either bad decisions or offers just weren't there and she managed to do some really great work like another film that I'm really I really like that she's in is called Soul Food I don't know if you guys have seen it uh, it's a Tim Story joint it's really good um and she's she's great in that movie uh I just don't think that she's been given the 
the boost that she needed. Like she's like she's one of like the like you know she's one of the um, uh, she's one of the um, women in uh, Kill Bill. Like uh, she plays she plays one of those key roles in there, and I, I she just I feel like that she just did not get the career that she deserved. Like she should have been a bigger star. Uh, though she she did have her moment, it just it kind of came and went. And, and with Kimberly Elise, I mean, she's just she's so heartbreaking in this movie. Like, like she is the she is the soul, the broken heart, and the broken soul of this film. And it's no like it's no shock to me. Like after like when I got out of this film and I started seeing her in. Um, more important films and more important independent work, it did not shock me because she has a reservoir of emotion that few actresses can recall. And she's just really kind of fucking amazing when you watch this movie. Like there's a moment, um, there's a moment that could come off very cliched. Um, I don't want to give it away, but she, when she breaks you 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 can't help but break i mean it is it is one of those moments that there's just this well of emotion that comes out of her and you just you're you're partially embarrassed at looking at it because it is so raw it's not it's it's what i know people affectionately call the ugly cry um but it's not an ugly cry it's just it's unfettered by any kind of Oh, I want to look good. It's like, no, I'm in the middle of a fucking performance and I'm going to make you suffer like I feel like my like when I watch the, the moment that I'm talking about, like I feel it in my fucking soul. Like that's how good she is in this movie. And I mean, again, another one that just didn't get she she has she has a very respected career Um but she just didn't have like a bigger career. Like, you know, you would just want her to have just that much more because she is so fucking good in this movie. Um, and like I said, I keep on, I keep on being hyperbolic about this film, but I feel like nobody, like nobody talks about this film. Nobody, I don't hear about it at all. And it's like one of the great, like, you know, it's like one of the great crime films of the nineties. I mean, like I said, I would, I would put it up there with heat Anything that Michael Mann has done um, at, as a contender within the top five, uh, you know, come at me at, with this. Like, seriously, come at me. See if I, I, I won't back down on this one. Like, uh, I, I dare you to to watch it. I dare you to, like, you know, it's available everywhere. Like, you can buy it on Blu-ray. You can buy it on DVD. Um, you can rent it from iTunes, Google Play, YouTube, Fucking I, I looked all over the place. It's all over the place. You can you can literally rent it anywhere and everywhere. So I and it's got a great transfer and a killer, killer soundtrack, both both like soundtrack as in music, but also a killer like sound like a sound design. Like the sound design is legit. Like one of the things that I, I don't think that is appreciated as much. Um, is the kind of sound work like the uh, like the abrasive aggressive sound work that was done by New Line during this era like you know, like go back and look at New Line's output at this time and then go ahead and watch the DVDs um 
if you have a decent surround system. And I can guarantee you during this time frame, that 10 year time frame that I'm talking about, their sound designs are on point. Seven, set it off. Um, both, uh, both Magnolia and Boogie Nights, which are new line films, um, that I don't think that P.T. Anderson really got enough credit back in his earlier day that uh, he was a great, uh, he had a great sound design, a uh, sound designer working with him. But look at that stuff. It's, it's really good. And like I said, this, this has some really great uh, sound work and sound design done. Um, so now it comes to the point where we're talking about remaking this, this, uh, this film. And I'm going to propose something to you. I'm going to propose that right now, 22 fucking years later, I would re I would not recast this at fucking all. There, I said it. I would, I would still, I, the only thing I would do is I would have F Gary Gray direct it. And then I would probably bring in some new screenwriters. Um, I don't know who I would bring in. Um, but I would definitely bring in some new screenwriters. Maybe I may like, I may even say maybe if I I don't think that F Gary Gray may want to direct it, he may want to produce it, but I have, but I have the utmost faith if he didn't, that he would probably let D Reese, um, write and direct this, but the cast, I, I can't think of a better cast. Like there would be equals but they would never be better. Like, and plus like these women right now, I mean, Jada, like watch girls, watch girls night to watch Queen Latifah and, um, uh, and Jada Pinkett Smith. And then watch like, you know, like, like go ahead and like recently take a look at Vivica Fox. Um, and then Kimberly Elise too. And you will see these women are, not that far off from where they were 22 years ago. I mean, that's how good look that these these women are. Um, but I think that if you said it now with women in their 40s, I think it makes it even more powerful because you could then switch like, you know, Stoney's brother to her son. And, you know, you can you can make TT have older older children and you know, you could you know, like, you know, the the relevancy of Cleo being uh, being gay um, or being lesbian becomes even more prominent. And then with uh, Vivica Fox's Frankie, like her being a woman in the like, you know, a woman in the financial uh, like, you know, in the financial arena, instead of being just a banker, maybe make her more. And uh, it it can be the same. It could be the same forceful and meaningful story i mean fuck even cast uh john c mcginley again just do it because he's still fucking rocking it he still can command that that force that he does um and you could just remake this right now with the same cast and it would be just as good if not maybe even a little bit better because if you did get somebody like d reese to write and direct it and you gave her a bigger budget, say like 50 to 60 million, I think that you would have, you would have something that would be akin to like heat. Like she would make a, a female version of heat, but make it more socially relevant. I mean, I would get super excited about that. 
So what are your thoughts on that? Like, I'm, I, I'm like, I love that idea. And in fact, I would, I mean, shit, I would like, if I had a billion dollars, that would be one of the first things I would probably try to do is produce this fucking, this remake, this remake, uh, like a carbon copy ish remake of it. Um, not carbon copy, the Denzel Washington movie. Let's just not even talk about that. Let's bury that in the desert where Joe Pesci is buried because that is a really, really troubling film. Uh, trust me, go look it up and you will see how troubling it is. Um, but that does it for this week. Uh, we'll be back next week with a, another double feature. I'm going to keep that mum, which you will, which you could do if you wanted to actually know what the next double feature is to follow along with us is uh, get on to our social media pages, uh, specifically Letterboxd, because I'm posting the films in advance so that you guys can get ahead of the curve and and watch them and, um, you know, watch them and watch along with me and kind of like listen along with the podcast so that you have an advance notice. Um, you can reach out to us there or Instagram or Twitter, the the handles are all the same. It's the B movie or it's B movie pod. The letter B, the word movie, the word pod. No lines, no dashes, no bullshit. Uh, you can always read my work and the work of the my colleagues on the movie aisle. Um, the movie aisle is the website that I um, that I own and run. Um, we've got some really great content on there. We've got a new writer coming up that uh, will hopefully be on the show um, within the next few weeks uh, for an episode to not only introduce herself, but to talk, uh, talk some genre films and B-movies, as I know that she really does enjoy some, uh, she does enjoy the B-movie goodness. And um, please uh, just support us by going onto the website or telling your friends about this podcast. It's uh, we do it out of love. We don't do it out of money because I ain't getting paid for this shit. I know because I'm the one that uh, quote unquote should write the checks. Um, but we will be back next week with a great double feature. I can guarantee you that. And if you want to know a little bit more about it, go ahead and go on to Letterboxd and take a look. Um, but until next time, talk to you soon. <laughs>